0: one, basic hip. Welcome to the jazz session. I'm Jason Crane. The jazz session is sponsored by Matt Rock, our first official sponsor, and presented by allaboutjazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. My thanks to the Respect Sextet for the theme music to this show. They're online at respectsextet.com. They've got lots of great records there, and I urge you to buy all of those records and also to go out and support them whenever they're in your town. And thanks also to Dave Vrabel, who designed the show's logo and who tweets and makes me laugh at twitter.com slash Dave Vrabel, V-R-A-B-E-L. The membership campaign is continuing. This is show 294. That means there are six shows left until number 300 on August 11th, by which time I need 100 members. And so far I've got 65, so I need 35 more. My thanks to Anthony George, who joined since uh, I recorded Monday's intro. And actually I'm recording this one just 24 hours later. So perhaps there are more members by the time you're actually listening to this show. But uh, thanks very much to Anthony. That, as I said, puts us up to 65 members, and I need 35 more members, and there are like 24 days left. So if you are thinking of joining, now is the time. You can do it for as little as 10 bucks a month, and it's, it's easy, it's simple, it makes you feel good, and it will help keep the show going past number 300. My guest today is the drummer Chess Smith. I've seen him with a bunch of different people, in fact, including the Respect Sex Ted. I've seen him uh, fill in for Ted Poor on a Respect gig. I've seen him in a gazillion different contexts uh, all over town since, I, since I've been here in New York, uh, which we'll talk about during the interview. And he's got a bunch of records that he's uh, either put out himself or been on recently, and one of them is Chess Smith's. Kongs for Brums, which is kind of the name of his solo drum project. And uh, the newest album under that label is called Noise to Men, and here's a track from that. My guest is Chess Smith. It's great to have you on the show. Thanks for being here. Great to be here. I just saw you uh, last night in one of the two contexts that you played in uh, at the Undead Jazz Fest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw you with Bazingas, but right after that you played a, a solo set, and I guess I'll, just based on the converse, short conversation we had before I turned the mics on, I just wanted to ask you about solo playing. What's the What's the attraction of it, and what is the kind of risk or... Or danger involved too.
1: Yeah, well, the, I guess one the main attraction for me initially is that I I could just go do a gig by myself, and you know, it didn't matter who flaked out on me or <laughs> or anything like that. And um, yeah, well, you know that that was that was half the reason, and the, the other the other part was at the that, you know the, I think the first time I played a solo gig was like ten years ago, and I just had parts that. You know, I was playing in a lot of bands and rock bands and stuff, and I had parts that were kind of too busy for anyone to deal with in a in a band situation. So I I decided to make pieces out of that and just sure. see if I could make complete pieces, you know, with just with just drums. And um, yeah, since then, it's my my first record included drums and vibraphone, and then um, since then, I've recorded a, a bunch with drums, vibes, and electronics. So it's kind of expanding,
0: kind of under the that the Kongs for Brums yeah, title, right? Right, yeah. right.
1: Yeah, that's just the, basically the title of my solo, you know, percussion project.
0: Sure. Can you talk about that idea of crafting songs, crafting tunes, compositions, and what that means? Uh, I guess obviously you have pitch instruments involved there too, mm-hmm. but when you're just playing uh, drum set and percussion, what that means?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's I can think of one and. Um, yeah, it was it was hard for me to figure out like it it took a lot of trying different things. You know, especially a, just a, a straight drum set piece, you know, where right. there's no there's no way to organize it harmonically. There there you know, you can organize it quasi melodically, but I find I find I I use a lot of repetition and this one piece in particular, I'm thinking of this it's called it's on my first record and it's called Metal Vacation. And yeah, I just, I remember just, I finally settled on a, fo- on an actual form and, you know, there's an open part in the middle where I'm improvising, but it took me a long, I just kept thinking it wasn't right. And then I feel like I got it right. And really it's just, you know, three or four parts, re- you know, that come back and repeat it at different times.
0: and in this case parts is groupings of rhythmic elements.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, th- yeah, they were and actually it's it's a uh, Yeah, they were ryth- rhythmic ele- elements that were connected to you know high and low drum set sounds basically, okay. you know. Like it used toms and cymbals. Sure. I think it used it uses pretty much every traditional sound on the on the set in kind of different permutations.
0: Right. I think I've seen you now about half a dozen times in performance since I moved back to New York in mm-hmm. the spring, and never twice with the same group of people, Oh, which um, which is cool. I mean, it, it leads me to believe that you enjoy playing in a variety of different contexts and what that brings out.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I tend to say yes more than no, probably, <laughs> you know, when, <laughs> when it comes to booking. Um, But I I do enjoy the different different things. Like I'm not sure what you've seen, but it was, you know, each band I play in it forces me to play a different way and poses different challenges. I really like that. It seems like that's one. I'm not sure if there
0: are only two choices, but that's certainly one choice. The other, another being, I'm just going to start one project and allow it to continue, or you know, kind of force it to continue to evolve. Right. Which doesn't seem to be the track that you've decided to take is there a conscious decision there well i
1: think i think actually i i think i'm i've kind of done both yeah Yeah. (laughs) because because you know my own like the solo things definitely evolved and my my my, my quartet called these arches and actually any band rebo's band and all those things yeah i think i i just you know i first of all this is how i make a living or or you know that's an element i shouldn't say first of all but but that uh you know it's just good for me to work a lot but yeah. You know, it's also I I I'd, I'd do all this for free. You know, if I if I could fit it in time-wise, you know, if I didn't have a um you know, assuming I didn't have a day job.
0: Yeah. Will you tell people about these arches, which is a really great band.
1: Oh yeah, that's um it's Tony Malibu on saxophone, sometimes Tim Byrne actually now, and uh Mary Halverson on guitar, Andrea Parkins on accordion and myself on drums just drums and a little bit of percussion but no no vibraphone and no electronics sure um and yeah I did I, our first record came out November 2010 but the band's been together basically since about 2007 but um you know we were just doing like a gig or two a year at at the most just cuz you know i partly because you know it's it was kind of expensive because at first no one was coming to shows and I, you know i i wanted to pay everybody you know so i just right. not book too many gigs <laughs> per year you know um but yeah that's that's i think that's coming along and i think i think i'm gonna add tim Byrne on the next recording as well so it'll be tony tim wow. andrea and mary and myself
0: that group to get those particular players together or because you needed that instrumentation for your compositional vision or some combination of Oh
1: the, the, f- the former definitely yeah. you know I just I just liked playing with those people you know that at the time I had I didn't even know if, how it would be with them playing together but I just I just was trying stuff you know right And then actually yeah right right after that I was like wow that sound like just the improv stuff really seemed to explode like with Mary and Tony and Andrea. You know, and then the challenge became like, should I even write for this? Like, it seems like they, I don't want to get in the way of it. You know, but but they they've all been really encouraging about you know trying out stuff I
0: write. And so, did you find some way to to both write but allow that freedom that
1: excited you to be there? But the, yeah, that's gone through different stages too. Like, I think the first record, I just kind of wrote stuff and we we there'd be a fracture and we'd get away from it and sometimes the written stuff wouldn't even come back even if we had planned to have it that way and i was actually fine with that like i just thought whatever was happening in the moment we should go with that as opposed to some you know idea ahead of time i sure. mean you know assuming we start on the piece right? You know? <laughs> <laughs> like we'd, we'd we'd do that you know that was like the one rigid rule i guess um but yeah yeah and that now i'm for this next record I'm really and actually we've been playing pieces now where I I feel like I'm trying to integrate the improvising and the the written stuff how how so more. how does that work um well I mean there's there's actually a few things with changes to play on you know which but um I guess not in a way that I've done a lot in jazz and bebop that's you know I spent a lot of time playing that that kind of music um but actually more of a, a way that i think i think i'm borrowing from mary halverson's trio especially with john Aber. and um yeah i i feel like john in particular is has had us kind of led us in a direction of playing loosely over like you can hear the harmony happening but you don't yeah you know, i'm not sure when it's going to happen but we just kind of a Agree, we intuit it, you know. Sure. And I think this with with anything I'm using like that in these new pieces. It's you know it's going to take some work, but we are we're you know we have gigs coming up and we're touring in Europe in October. So I think it I think it can happen, and that's only on a few tunes anyway.
0: You mean intuitive in the sense that we might think of like, like a classic Delta blues performer playing solo guitar, where it's a blues form, but maybe it's thirteen bars or seventeen We're, bars. It's just whatever the lyric yeah, yeah. makes it go. I,
1: I think it's related to thing. that. It's kind of like the, the free jazz version of that. <laughs> <Yeah>. You because <know? laughs> yeah, you hear those records, and they, they'd even play with the rhythm section like that. You know, out of just yeah. old, some some old blues records I've I've heard. um You know, and I guess I guess the band's just following. You know. And this is kind of, yeah. I think in Mary's trio, especially, it's extremely collective. Like, I mean, we've played a lot now, and we're all really good friends. So I feel like, you know, we don't we don't really talk about it, but it just kind of stretches, you know. Yeah. And that's good because you know it allows us to play like, you know, multi-directionally, not not strictly metrically.
0: Can you say more about that? Define what you mean.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I just mean um more like. I feel like that's the kind of playing that's coming out of polyrhythm, but but it can stretch, you know. Like Sonny Murray and Milford Graves were really, really amazing at it, and, and Rashid Ali, Andrew Cyril as well. Um, you know that that's I'm, I'm thinking of drummers now, but sure. And yeah, even yeah, I'd say Jack DeJohnette and Paul Motion as well. You know, um, but yeah, it, it's just a way that allows allows for a lot of different things rhythmically on top to work like i you know i'm I'm also thinking of this coltrane interview i read where he was he was talking about how he liked that about rashid ali was Mm. he didn't have to worry it wasn't going to work out what he was doing you know like like i'm assuming all these you know odd subdivisions and you know, fast stuff and mixed with the long blues cries and things right. like that. You know, he just felt like it, he felt really good playing with Rashid Ali cause it worked and yeah, it was still really propulsive, but it, it allowed for a lot to happen. Does that change
0: the nature of your role as a drummer from what we might think of as the more standard, like I'm just holding down some locked rhythm structure? Um,
1: in the biggest sense, I'd say no, but realistically, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, because I still, I, def- I definitely feel like it's time. Like, it's not, like, also, Mark Rebo talks a lot about, um, that, what he calls pulse, which I call multi directional playing versus Roboto. You know, like, it's not, it's not just this, you know, landing kind of on something pulse, for a while, right. and, you know. Kind of washy thing, but it's more like it's it's definitely pulse, meaning like like irregular pulse, like a, I guess like a heartbeat or something. Okay. Or waves, you know. Yeah, but but that you know, like like definitely with the pro, like a for, lot of forward motion, basically. Sure.
0: Is that something you can actually work on, or is that something that just evolves in you as a player as you play in more of these situations?
1: Yeah, I think I think you can work on it. Like I I do um, I work on it through practicing polyrhythmic stuff actually. Okay. And just jazz time, things like that, you know, but, but especially, yeah, polyrhythmic stuff and, um, also odd, odd divisions of the, you know, of a quarter note, like fives, sevens, nines, things like that, you know, in addition to the more standard triplets and sixteenth notes and eighth notes. Just so you get, you're used to these different levels of time happening. And then there's, you know, like Randy Peterson, really, super amazing drummer around here you know he has a book where he um it's kind of rare and actually i I bought one but i still have to pick it up from matt maneri (laughs) i
2: just (laughs) realized that
1: but uh you know i bought the book because i saw a few pages of it and it was really interesting and i mean extremely difficult like different divisions going on with different limbs at the same time and i think that's what randy's coming out of and that's why he's playing he's i think he's I you know I can't speak for him at all but I I feel like he's hearing time and just extremely expanded and going in all these different directions at once you know Yeah.
0: Do you do you feel that in your body that now that you've begun to play in that that kind of multi rhythmic way does that begin to feel as as normal or as much a part of your physicality as Yeah, yeah, the kind of more traditional. Time? Yeah,
1: definitely. Yeah, and I think it it probably is influenced by how I move physically, you know, like it's, I mean, I work on it, but I never feel like I'm at a gig trying to play something I can't play, you know, I'm just kind of reacting and, and setting things up for people as well. Yeah. And yeah, I'd, I'd say for me now, it's, um, yeah, it's definitely as as comfortable as playing a you know medium tempo bop thing or a rock (laughs) beat you know something i've played a lot before um you know but i've been i've been playing free for a long time as well too since i was a, a kid really and just trying to get better at it and figuring out what getting better means you know
0: Mean by saying you think it's related to how you move physically
1: oh um well i think anything any instrument has to do with with how you you know how you move physically like that that really affects how the sound's gonna come out you know and you for better or worse i don't think you can you, you can practice and hone it but you can't change fundamentally what what you're gonna sound like Once you, you know, I should say you can't change what you're going to sound like once you put a ton of work into it, you know, (laughs) I'm not, I'm not saying I just go out there and play, like I practice all the time, but I just feel like there's a reason, you know, I sound different than, you know, some other drummer, some, you know, like Jim Black sounds different than, you know, who? (laughs) Jim Black sounds different than everyone else, right, right. (laughs) And, and so you're
0: talking about about touch and about the way your limbs interact and yeah, all yeah. that okay.
1: Yeah. and all those things are stuff you practice definitely but it's just you know after a while I, I I just feel like for me in free stuff it just comes out kind of what that that where I, I think I just want to say that that's the most fundamentally uh, physically what I'm about in a way you know yeah, I'm not saying I'm a total spaz, but <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> there's just certain things that happen that I, you know, it's like I'm not planning at all, and I'm not definitely not trying to reference anything I've heard before exactly. Right. Know, whereas other times I am referencing something I've heard before.
0: Can you talk about why you were playing free at such a young age?
1: I think it was like Mountain Dew and jamming. <laughs> you know, I mean, well, that was, there, there was this um you know i was in like this really horrible rock band like it sounded like an improvising metallica you know (laughs) like that was probably when i was like 15 it started and um but we'd just go you know we'd play our tunes but we'd also just spend a lot of time just jamming and that would a lot of times you know we started listening to just different bands that turned out they were probably listening to Albert Eiler, like these bands around Sacramento there was like this punk scene where people would improvise and play free, and it kind of sounded like free jazz, you know I'm sure that that's what those guys were listening to, but they were older than us right, know? so we just thought that somehow we got the idea that that was cool, you know <laughs> I don't know how we decided that, and um you know, so we'd try to do the same, and usually it would it'd be over like beats with us, but there were we got into like just complete noise too, you know, and um. And that just kind of kept going. Like I remember, I found, like I I started to get into jazz when I was like, you know, like bebop and post-bop first when I was about seventeen, like going to college, about to go to college, I should say, and um, and it was really like like people people told me like check out John Coltrane and Miles Davis, and then I it, by accident I bought Coltrane's Ohm, you know, like uh, you, I don't know if you've heard that <laughs> oh, yeah. record, but of course. yeah, but. And then I was like, "Oh, that sounds like what those guys are playing in Sacramento. This is cool, you know." Like, so I kind of thought that was culture. And then someone else was like, "No, you should check out a Love Supreme." And then I was like, "Oh," and you know, and then I got I got really into that also. But I was still like on the the O.M. track as well, kind of like in, in a parallel way, right? You know? And then like John Chakaï came up to my college, and Bill Frizzell with Kermit Driscoll and Joey Baron. Like, I saw some good shows at a young age where there was some free playing happening and. You know, I just started really checking it out. Like Derek Bailey came and oh wow, yeah. And at the same time, I was really going after like Max Roach and you know Art Art Blakey especially, and like that you know playing standards and things like that.
0: Did you have any difficulty integrating those two passions where the drums were concerned? Yeah,
1: yeah. I think maybe it's happening finally now. You know, like um, you know, I moved to San Francisco and what was it 95 I guess and um and I really felt like those scene, like I could play with the bebop people you know once I kind of made my way around town a bit you know sure and then there was a really great free scene also but they definitely weren't playing together at all and I just got the feeling it was really separate like that at the time you know and then and I always kind of wished it could be all together you know and then uh yeah, and then I started meeting people like like my friend Devin Hoff and Ben Goldberg, people like that that were definitely coming out of like like bebop, but were really interested in free music too, and kind of mixing it up, mm. you know, in their own ways.
0: Do you remember when you first were hearing uh, free music? What it was that appealed to you about it?
1: I'm not sure. I mean, I bet I bet a little bit of it. You know, I was. I was young enough where there was probably some juvenile, juvenile rebellion kind of thing, you know, like, but I also like, like I liked Sonic Youth and bands like that, that just where the, it wasn't all tonal sounds and there were like a lot of stuff was tambourine based. And I think I just kind of thought that was, I was just gravitated, gravitated towards that for some reason. I wasn't sure why, you know, or I'm trying to think of what else, like, uh, you know, like someone played me like some Rebo stuff and some, you know, on the like Tom Waits records and you know the like Zorn Naked City stuff and I guess I, I just connected it with with rock music, you know, and and also I I kind of thought. You know, I don't think this is correct, but at the the time I kind of saw free music as really suited for drummers, you know, (laughs) because, you know, because just the the harmony was so blown out or, you know, sometimes it was, you know, this is how how I saw it then, you know, sometimes it was just... Like people weren't worrying about two five ones and you know all my jazz friends at that time were really seemed really stressed out you know, <laughs> you know because you know, i and I, I just wanted to play good time and stuff but we couldn't play a lot of tunes because of the changes you know because right. they didn't want to you know they were just frightened you know so yeah so i guess i guess it was all that kind of like i was like well i don't you know maybe we could just improvise you know or something like that
0: what makes you say that it, that's not correct anymore that idea about free music being really good for drivers
1: well well I don't know like like you know I think Ben Goldberg would have an issue with me saying something like you know it doesn't you don't have to know any harmony to play free jazz <laughs> sure. or, you know, like, like I, I just saw myself heading in that direction in this conversation I wanted to steer clear away from that yeah um, yeah <laughs> you know like I'm like I play vibraphone I think I'm like terrible changes play around vibraphone like I play more notated music and you know but I'm still even wary of freely improvising on the vibes in a a way you know just although my ear is getting much better to even recognize what's happening pitch wise around me you know
0: did you add the vibes later for that purpose or
1: yeah yeah it's you know just to get to get better at it mostly and you know, first for the first record, I was basically wrote wrote tune, you know, wrote pieces on piano, which are, that's what I normally write on anyway, and gave my, for myself to learn on vibraphone as okay. etudes. And there, but there wasn't a lot of improvising. And more and more, I'm really like setting up just changes I like in the middle of my pieces to like really blow on. And you know, like if I get to tour, then I'm doing that every night, and that really helps. You know, and then I'm practicing as well. So. Sure.
0: Can you talk about some of the uh, you've already mentioned, both in passing and in mentioning the people that you saw as a as a younger person? Some of the projects that you're involved in now. But can you can you spell out some of the things that you're you're doing these
1: days? Um, yeah, yeah. The, um, well, off the top of my head, the first thing I can think of is Mark Rebo's Ceramic Dog. Just that we did we just recorded a new record, and um, you know we have yet to mix it or do anything else with it, but we had a really great tour in May in Europe and we've been, it seems like it's going to play a lot more and I'm happy about that. Cause it's just like, I really like hanging out with those guys and the music's really fun. That's fair. And it's, um I'd say it's, pr- it's pretty like pretty full on energy wise, almost like ecstatic music. You know, like I don't even know, I, I, you know, Mark writes great stuff, but we just, it's almost not really about that. It's just what, where that can put us in a live gig basically right. you know <laughs> like i don't I don't think we're worrying too much about details you know yeah what did that mean in the studio um well we kind of just played like we did live and now we're and, and a lot of it worked you know like we got we got some great takes you know although you know mark would say like change a key here and there you know sure. for some things He'd get, you know, he's he's really great at coming up with ideas on the fly that that work, you know. Like once he hears what's what it's sounding like, right? Uh,
0: uh, are there others that you wanted to mention? Other uh, projects yeah, that you are involved in these days?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, we already talked about my band, These Arches. That's that's something I am excited about. Um, what else? There is a lot. I am just trying to not forget things. I play in a rock band called Secret Chiefs Three. Um, that's what Trace Bruins, you know, he, he's the composer in it and okay, actually they're on tour right now, but I'm here doing other stuff. (laughs) So so unfortunately I don't know, you know, I, I also had a kid nine months ago, so I, I don't know how many like month long tours I'll be able to do in the next few years, you know, yeah. but we're actually trying to, we're still trying to play together. Um, and yeah, there's a, you know, I've been. We've, re- we've recorded a bunch over the last like four or five years for this record that has yet to come out. So that'll happen someday. Yeah. Oh, and another band I'm really, really been into is Tim Burns Los Totopos, which is with, it's Tim, Oscar Noyega, Matt Mitchell on piano and myself. Yeah, it's a great uh, band. Oscar's playing clarinets. And we just, you know, we did, we've played a bunch this year and we recorded that, that record will come out in January. And yeah, that's just, you know, it's, I'd say the music is difficult, but it's getting, it's becoming less difficult. (laughs) And I feel like the band is already, it has a strong sound already. Yeah. And yeah, Tim's been important for me in the last few years. Just, you know, like we, we also have a different trio just with Matt Mitchell and that plays less often, but. It's just fun, like he writes different music for that, and we just get together and work on stuff. How did you
0: make that connection with Tim?
1: Um, I think it was there was like I think Mary Halverson and Matt Mitchell were on like a some <laughs> some secret campaign to get me playing with Tim. I don't know why, <laughs> but or they just you know they thought it'd be it'd be fun, yeah, you know, for me or for them they didn't I don't think they knew what the band would be, you know. And turns out Mary's not even in it, but, you know, she, she basically just set up a session so we could play with Tim. And I think Tim saw me play with Trevor Dunn's trio convulsant, um, you know, a few years back as well. And I think he asked Mary about me then, you know, but anyway, yeah, we, I think, I think it kind of, we kind of clicked. You seem
0: to play with many people with whom you're also close personal friends. Is that a, uh, does Does that make the musical situation more satisfying
1: or yeah yeah rich? you know even it's yeah, I'd say i usually i be- i have become friends with them after we started playing together, okay. you know um, but yeah, I keep getting really lucky like I meet really interesting, cool people that are kind of the loyal type, <laughs> you know? yeah, you know, but yeah, it definitely i mean that's you know there's not a ton of I'm not complaining at all, but there's, you know, not a ton of money in this stuff. And it's just like, it's great having like a, what feels like a community, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, and just friendships and like, I mean, all I do is play music and, you know, hang out with my family. So it's like, it's, it's, I mean, it makes sense that those would be all my best friends, you know, even, even if the band breaks up, I'm I'm still, I'm sure I'm still going to be friends with these people, you know?
0: What made you decide to move to the East Coast from the West?
1: Oh, mostly gigs. I'd yeah, say. you know, like i I kind of I flew out here. Like I started playing with Trevor's Trio, and and then Shazad Ismaili had me come out to play with Mark Rebo, and then that band started. And then I kind of knew then I should do it. You know, because um, I was I was having to tour like all the time, just you know, to make a living and you know, with, with different bands and I knew I couldn't really keep it up. I was gone like eight months out of the year wow. you know, for, for many years, you know, and I just, I wanted to, I I just loved all the stuff that was happening in New York. You know, I, I came out here and would crash on like crash at Mary Halverson's place or Shazad's place for a couple of years. And, you know, I just, I'd go see like two shows a night, you know, like just all kinds of stuff. Cause I was, I was kind of starved in the, in the Bay area just, just from seeing like, New York music, I guess. I mean, there's, there's at the time, especially there was a strong scene in the Bay Area, but you know, I'd I'd seen a lot of it, you know. Yeah. After about you know eight years of living there. From outside New York, does New York still seem
0: like the the place to be if you're going to be involved in this kind of music?
1: Um, I'm not sure if it's the place to be. I'd say it's the place for me to be. Like. I have friends that are doing well. Like, Chicago's got a really great scene, you know, and I really like all those people. It's it's super friendly and at a really high level, you know. I think, um, you know, just working-wise, I think I can do more of it here, and it's even that much closer to Europe where, you know, all of us tour quite a bit. Yeah. And... Yeah. And I, and I don't, I think I need to be around a lot of activity. Like, like my friend Trey of, you know, Secret Chiefs three, he can, he literally lives in a log cabin in the mountains outside of Santa Cruz and he gets a lot done. You know, he's, he's just got that vision. And I'd say I, I'm developing somewhat of a vision, but, but, uh, (laughs) but it's not that it just wasn't innate, innately in me for, um, you know, from a young age, I've just had to really work at everything. And now it's finally, I feel like I know what I want to do. Yeah.
0: feel like there's a distinct character to the music scenes in different cities either musically or in, in terms of the way they work
1: yeah yeah I think so yeah I think so even musically um, I guess I can only really say that for sure about San Francisco Los Angeles and here you know and fr- from what you know from what I gathered just from being in Chicago a little bit but I ha- actually haven't been there that much except you know a night here or there on tour but yeah, yeah, I think I think there's a character, and you know, but of course that's that can be divided up into like genera- g- generationally, even in like in New York, say, right? You know, I mean, there's all these subdivisions with it within that.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's the cl- you know, there's kind of classic examples of like the East Coast and West Coast jazz from forty or fifty years ago, which I'm not sure was ever an accurate division. But certainly there are things that we associate sounds and styles of playing that we associate with one or the other. Yeah. However justified that is. Yeah. Do you think that's still we can still do that or is it a little more subdivided than
1: I I kinda think you can. I wanna say yes. Just I mean again among the places that I've actually lived. Right. You know like I go back to San Francisco and I go, Oh yeah, that, you know. Like, I just saw a bunch of, they were just playing jazz even, and I was like, oh yeah, I kind of missed this. I, I ended up in a restaurant where all these people I used to play with were playing, you know, <laughs> in San Francisco a few months ago, and, and I was just like, you know, I had this thought, I was just like, wow, I could be doing that, and that would be cool. You know, like, like, it wasn't like I've moved on from that or something, you know. Right. It was, it was just, you know, like, you'd like to think your life is progressing, but, Maybe really it's not at all you know, i could have, I could' have just stayed there and been just you know fulfilled possibly I don't know
0: do you feel like you've had to not had to, but do you feel like you have changed the way you play, given the different character of the city that you now primarily work
1: in probably, but um but I you know then again it's I've gotten older too, so I don't know if that had to do with it if it would have happened anyway, yeah, right, like I feel more you know more more c- confident and more assertive than I used to be, you know, I used to be really shy and just riddled with self doubt, you know? <laughs> I mean, also, you know, just like having, since we've had our boy, I feel, uh, you know, I just feel like there's less time to second guess anything. There's mm-hmm. no time to second guess anything. And I just do stuff now and I'm enjoying it, you know, like I like not worrying. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's nice. It's
0: so interesting. Uh, maybe interesting a little too shadden for freudy a word but it's interesting to hear you say you know about being kind of self-doubting or or shy because it's it's always fascinating to me when people who don't project that at all on stage feel that way off stage maybe you don't feel that way as much anymore but you always right. i mean in the situations i've seen you which as i said have been very diverse you just always seem completely comfortable and really at home in the music mm.
1: yeah yeah i'd say for the most of the time that's actually true now and I think it it always was, but I've just been in so many situations now, I just feel like what's the worst that could happen, you know, <laughs> right, <laughs> like, even though there's you know times I'm bummed out, but even then I go, I just gotta play, you know i can't I can't project that or or even worry about that, you know, yeah, even if it's not going well at all, <laughs> <You know>? sure, <laughs> but yeah, there was i I just. I think it just in decision making before and stuff like like pre gig or whatever you know. Yeah. I think I used to be a lot more like I'm not sure I'm doing the right thing, you know. Do you still get the chance to check out music just as a as a listener or a watcher of shows or whatever? Yeah, I did this weekend, you know, like the the Undead Jazz Festival. I got to see a bunch of shows last night. You know, honestly, I've been um it's been a little hard cuz you know, I'm gigging a lot. So yeah. I feel like when I'm not I should really be home making sure my wife is cool with the you know the kid. Make sure the kids asleep, you know? right? <laughs> like stuff like stuff like that. But I do get to go. You know, out of my touring, I end up on a festival with a bunch of other bands I really wanted to see, or things like that. Yeah. So, yeah. And you know, in recordings, I'm listening to all the time, of course.
0: I have talked to some people on this program who who don't listen to a ton of other music. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes to avoid influence or. Because they're not particularly interested, but it sounds like that's not the case for you. That you try to check out what's happening in the scene around you.
1: Yeah, um, you know, because I, I can see that the validity of that approach too. I mean, I mean, not like whatever anyone wants to do, of course, is valid. But sure. Um, so I don't mean to say validity, but but you know, I, I I'd imagine those people are reading or checking out movies or just something, you know, like. Like it, yeah, it definitely doesn't have to be music because you can right. get ideas from anything, even, you know, a conversation or looking at a painting or something like that. Yeah, know? none of those people were living alone in a cave. Right, right. In the right. woods, right, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that could be cool too. <laughs> Which might be nice also, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah, I just like to, um, I just feel like, you know, a lot of, you know, maybe it's the thing I goes back to what I said about the community here. I, j- I just like to kind of, you know, at least try to support you know, because there's, I see musicians at my gigs, and I like to go to their gigs, and you know, it's just nice. I just like to see what people are doing. You know, yeah. You know, it's 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 hard time wise sometimes, but that that's the only thing stopping me. I think. It yeah, sounds. The, oh, know, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, this. I mean, yeah, I'm definitely. I'm just interested in the musical problems people are, are working on. Also, yeah. You
0: know? It sounds much more like your experience of New York, at least at this point, is is of community rather than competition or you know, keeping some little piece of turf or whatever, it sounds much more collective and in harmony.
1: Yeah. yeah I think so. I mean, I could be completely like naive, but <laughs> that's, you know, it just feels like everyone wants everyone to do good. you know, as far as I can tell, that's great. I mean, you know, that's, and, and yeah, like, I mean, that's another reason I decided to move here was like, people were like, Hey, you want to play like, and it, when you actually would, you know, like, like right. you might hear that a lot in California, <laughs> but it might not even happen, you know? Right. You know, and then, or you'd say, Do you want to do this? And they'd say, Yes. And then it would happen. You know, like I just thought that was like miraculous. You (laughs) know, (laughs) I mean, I mean, maybe I had the, it could, you know, again, I, you know, maybe I was too shy in California and projected a really weird vibe because I was younger. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I just felt like it was really welcoming here, which is kind of not the stereotype, you know? Yeah. Or didn't used to be the stereotype, I should say.
0: That's great. My guest is Chess Smith. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you and to to hear you on record and live and I thank you for taking the time to come on the show.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. This is fun.
0: My thanks to Chess Smith. He's got a lot of new records out recently, but uh, we've heard music on this show from uh, Kongs for Brums. That's the name of his solo project and an album called Noise to Men. And we also heard from his album with his band, These Arches. I'm Jason Crane. This is the Jazz Session, sponsored by Matt Rock, our first official sponsor, and presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. The show is on Twitter at Twitter.com slash jazz S-E-S-H, and I'm on Twitter personally at uh, Jason D. Crane. You can also follow the show via its mailing list, which is a great way to stay in touch with the show and is not affected by any other corporations deciding to do anything to the list or the group or anything else, a la Facebook. So you can uh, be on the mailing list quite simply by going to the jazzsession.com and you'll see it says mailing list along the top. And click on that put in your email. It's super easy. Thanks so much. I hope you do become a member for as little as 10 bucks a month. It's uh, the great way to support the show, and in fact, it's the only way to keep the show going past episode 300, which is on August 11th, just six shows from now. Thanks a lot for listening, and now get out there and support live jazz whenever and wherever you can, and come back next time for another conversation about jazz on the Jazz Session.